Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.
Hey, folks, Roland Martin here broadcasting live from Houston, Texas. Today is October 13, 2020. Coming up on Roland Martin Unfiltered, we are here in Houston where Black Voters Matter, they're having a social distance rally. We'll talk with the leaders of the organization about what they're doing to ensure that we get the right to vote. Early voting started today in Texas. Massive numbers already. We'll show you what some of the lines look like. I voted in Dallas, came here to Houston. Uh, also, the federal courts have ruled uh, against those who sued the state when it came to the mail drop boxes. We'll tell you what three Trump appointees ruled. Also, uh, we see Georgia, major voting happening in Georgia, in Wisconsin. Significant issues happening all across the country. Speaking of voting, power line was cut in Virginia today on the last day of voter registration. We'll be joined by Lieutenant Governor Justin Fairfax. Folks, we got a jam-packed show. It's time to bring the funk. I'm Roland Martin Unfiltered. Let's go. Roland Martin here broadcasting live from Fountain of Praise Life Center here in Houston, Texas, where the Black Voters Matter, their bus just drove up into the parking lot. This is a social distance rally that's taking place here in Houston. Uh, what we also see uh, is do this here. If y'all could actually uh, pan that camera and pan it uh, that direction, that camera right there, pan it over there. You also see uh, the t you also see the TSU drum line. You also have the TSU drum line. Uh, they're also here, and so we're going to be sitting here. So you see they're coming in as well. And so, of course, early voting started today in Texas. It started today uh, in Texas. And so folks have been voting all across the country. Excuse me, all across the country, but today in Texas. Here's what happened. They were supposed to take place on October 19th. The governor moved it up six days. And so uh, they've been, of course, uh, seeing all sort of changes happening uh, in this state. Republicans doing all they can, again, to impact African-Americans, African-Americans when, when it comes to voting. Again, so like I told you, you have the bus that's right here. Uh, we'll be chatting with, of course, Cliff Albright. We definitely chatting with Cliff Albright, uh, as well as um, uh, uh, Latasha Brown, uh, co-founders of Black Voters Matters. We'll be chatting with them in just one second, folks. And so what's going to be happening here, Brian Courtney Wilson is going to be singing to the folks here as well. Uh, he'll be singing to the folks here. And so what we're doing is uh, covering this. Uh, we're going to be in other states as well between now and Election Day. Now, big news out of Virginia today. Power line was cut in Virginia that that shut down voter registration all across the state. Joining us right now, Lieutenant Governor Justin Fairfax. Uh, he joins us at Roland Martin Unfiltered. Lieutenant Governor, can you hear me? I can hear you, Roland. Thanks so much for uh, having me on. All today. right. So, so, so exactly, so exactly, what happened today in Virginia? 
Roland, today, as you mentioned, uh, we had a uh, line that was cut that cut off access to our voter registration uh, online services for uh, voters all around the Commonwealth of Virginia. Uh, and so when I saw that this morning, I was the first one in the state to call for us to have an extension of the voter registration deadline, which is today. Uh, October the 13th, because we don't want any voters to lose out on their opportunity to cast their vote, to have their voices heard. Uh, and so it's unfortunate for something like that to happen on any day, but particularly on a day like today. So I'm working with the governor, with the administration uh, and our Department of Elections to uh, make sure that we are allowing everyone who wants to be able to register to vote and cast their vote to be able to do so. And so one of the thing, one of the things we, we're dealing with here, we talk about uh, going on, folks are saying you accidentally cut the power on the last day of voter registration. Saying, and the people were, were, were suspect in Louisiana when they had the first day of National Voter Registration Day, and all of a sudden the website went down. Right. I, you know, I think that when it comes to something uh, as important uh, as voting and, and because of the history of what we've seen around voter suppression and the disenfranchisement of voters, particularly uh, black and brown voters uh, throughout the nation, particularly throughout the South. Uh, we've always got to approach this with um, uh, skepticism, with, uh, you know, really an inquisitive mind and make sure that some of the same old tricks that we've seen before uh, are not being played. And so I've been on the phone with uh, folks in our government. Uh, I'm told there was a construction crew that uh, accidentally cut this line, but we're going to make sure that we get all the facts, that we get to the truth. Uh, and most importantly, that we allow people to cast their ballots. Virginia is seeing a surge uh, in uh, early voting here. We made the laws uh, such that people could more easily cast their ballot in early voting, 45 days of early voting. I voted on the very first day of the early voting period, which runs through October the 31st. Uh, you no longer need a photo ID uh, to vote in Virginia. And so we have done so many things to make it easier for people to cast their ballots. And we now have over a million uh, voters in Virginia who have already cast a ballot. Uh, and we're leading the nation in early voting. And so we don't want any of the same old tricks that we've seen played time and time again uh, on voters, particularly on communities of color, to be played again. Uh, and as long as I'm Lieutenant Governor of Virginia, I'll be vigilant in making sure that we don't have those repeats of the, of the past. All right, Lieutenant Governor Justin Fairfax, we certainly appreciate it, sir. Uh, thank, thank you very you, much bro. for joining us. God bless us. you. All right, let's go to our panel here. Joseph Williams, senior editor for U.S. News and World Report. Long Victoria Burke, she writes for NNPA, also uh, works with Governor Justin Fairfax and also Kelly Bethea, communication strategist. Joseph, I'll start with you. I mean, this is sort of the nonsense folks have been talking about. Uh, when we talk about voting, these sort of issues happening, again, mysteriously on the last day of voter registration in Virginia, critical state when it comes to this election. That's the stuff that we have been seeing happen constantly. And so uh, folks are saying, how can I trust this process? Well, it's not only how can you trust the process, it's the fact that you have the president of the United States who's actively sowing confusion about that. So when you have him say, well, I'm not going to trust the vote, uh, everything's going to be rigged unless I win, that filters down not just to his people, but to everybody. Everything is suspect. Everybody is, is, is anxious and on edge because we don't know what will happen. And what uh, uh, Lieutenant Governor Fairfax said there was very accurate in that we've seen shenanigans like this throughout history, except this time it's much, much worse because you've got a guy at the top who's actively said that he is not going to said he's not going to accept any other result than one that puts him on top. So it's sowing confusion. It's having bad uh, a, a bad effect. And it's having a ripple effect 
And uh, compounding that is seeing line upon line upon line of people who are waiting to vote, bad decisions by the courts, making it harder to vote. And it all goes back to the same thing. Elect, uh, the Republicans believe that if they can't win the on, the on the ideas, they're going to win by making it more difficult for people to vote. All right, Joseph, uh, once, give him one second. So what we're going to do is we're going to actually go to the stage here. Uh, they're about to sit here. Uh, and, of course, I uh, started the program. Uh, Monique Presley, you often see her on the show. Uh, she, of course, is um, uh, opening this program. And so the, the Black Voters Matter, uh, they started a rally. Uh, they did a rally all around, driving a caravan all around Houston. And so right now, uh, the TSU drumline is about to perform. So let's check, let's check out the ocean of soul. Of course, uh, she is the Republican Conservative Supreme Court uh, nominee. The hearings have been taking place uh, all uh, day for the, for the second consecutive day. And so right now, we're joined by Alfonso David with the Human Rights uh, Campaign. Alfonso, uh, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Roland. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, there are several things that we got to talk about that's, a, that's problematic, if you will, uh, when it comes to uh, testimony today. Uh, one of the questions was asked dealing with the issue of uh, discrimination, uh, segregation in Brownwood's Board of Education. She gave an awful answer uh, to that question. How can black folks trust that this woman is going to rule on a case that lays bare the issue of segregation uh, and integration? Look, Roland, your point is exactly right. For the last four years, 
LGBTQ people, marginalized groups around the country have been attacked. Been attacked by Donald Trump. They've been attacked by Mike Pence. They've been attacked by Mitch McConnell, who have prioritized power over people. They have prioritized power over people over and over again. Now they are advancing a nominee for the U.S. Supreme Court who we have significant concerns about. Her answers today about stare decisis, her answers today about Brown versus Board of Education, about Roe versus Wade, about Obergefell, those are cases that should not be upset by this new Supreme Court. And our concern is that we are going to see a systematic rollback, a systematic rollback of fundamental rights and protections that we have taken for granted, things that we have accepted as being the rule of law. So we have some significant concerns about this judge becoming a justice on the U.S. Supreme Court. Well, not only that, uh, Senator Dianne Feinstein asked her a series of questions as it related to the issue of Roe v. Wade, and she said, well, I can't speak in hypotheticals, but she signed a newspaper ad where she said, essentially, get rid of Roe v. Wade. Why are we even having these ridiculous conversations? We know exactly what her view is on this issue. Amy Coney Barrett has gave us a roadmap. As a, as a law professor, as a judge, she has expressed skepticism about a, woman, a woman's right to choose. She has expressed skepticism about marriage equality. She has sidestepped questions about preserving LGBTQ protections. And you're exactly right. And another example, in today's hearing, she wrongfully reduced sexual orientation to being a preference. That was a deliberate word selection that she used as a dog whistle to signal someone's sexual orientation. We knew this would be the case with her. Uh, Judge Barrett has worked alongside and has been a paid speaker for Alliance Defending Freedom. That is a group that has called for the sterilization of transgender people. That is a group that has called for the criminalization of same-sex relationships throughout this country and abroad. And again, this is not just about LGBTQ rights issues. This is about women's rights. This is about rights for race, racial minorities. This is for the, the rights of all marginalized communities around the country. And that is why we should all be deeply concerned that as opposed to focusing on COVID relief, the Senate is trying to jam through a nominee with 21 days before the election. People are already voting. More than 10 million people have casted their votes for this election. And as opposed to focusing on a pandemic that we're all confronting, instead, they're focused on jamming through a nominee, a nominee that is going to essentially strip away at fundamental protections that marginalized communities have had. All right, Alfonso David with HRC. We certainly appreciate you joining us on Roller Martin Unfiltered. Thanks a lot. Thank you for having me. All right, let's go back to my panel here. I, I, I'll, t I'll tell you, Lauren, I mean, we, we can sit here and we can go on and on and on. Look, it's clear why she was chosen. And so this whole deal of, okay, I need to examine the case, talk to my colleagues, stuff along those lines. But that question, when it comes to the issue of uh, segregation, give me a break. If you're black, you better be concerned about the voting, about voting rights, uh, things along those lines. That was what, what jumped out at me with her answer on that question. 
Yeah, I think, uh, you know, thank you for small favors. I think she did confirm that uh, uh, that uh, Brown v. Board was super precedent, but of course would not say that Roe v. Wade was a super precedent. I'm not sure why we're surprised. She's, uh, she is who she is. Obviously, she's a, a mentee of Antonin Scalia. Uh, the Republicans uh, know how to play the game of power. They picked somebody who was basically uh, the mini-me of Antonin Scalia. Uh, the Democrats found, figured out a way to not have two Supreme Court picks, and we find ourselves 21 days before the election uh, basically having somebody who's exactly like Antonin Scalia about to be picked for the court. So we do go through this kabuki dance of the hearings, which we always do, of the conversation back and forth. But everybody understands that basically what we're doing here is we are reaffirming what we already know. She's an extremely conservative uh, jurist. Uh, she will, in fact, I think, uh, try to uh, rule in a way that destroys uh, the Affordable Care Act. And uh, she will be an extremely uh, conservative justice. So uh, the, the idea that it should be surprising on any level at this point, I think the big thing for them that they've always wanted to get after the Federalist Society and all these other groups, of course, is Roe v. Wade. And I suspect that the minute she takes the, the bench, that's the case that they'll try to put forward. Uh, Kelly, uh, look, the, the whole thing here, Kelly, uh, let's just, again, let's just be real clear. When we begin to look at uh, this decision, there's a reason why, why conservatives want to push this on. There's never been a Supreme Court hearing uh, and a confirmation this close to an election. It is abundantly clear what her job is going to be. I mean, that's, that's not something that needs to be up for a debate, right? The whole reason that she has been chosen is because, like everyone has been saying on this panel, is that she's basically a mini Scalia. And I think that a lot of people, even the people who are trying to push this nomination through, are going to be in for a shock when she actually gets on the bench. Because if you know, <clears throat> excuse me, if you know anything about Scalia's jurisprudence and how he viewed the law, he was a strict fundamentalist. And it's ironic that a white woman would be following the footsteps of a man who is that strict when it comes to how the Constitution is to be followed and, and obeyed, in that the Constitution was written for rich white men. That doesn't apply to her at all in any category except white. So for me, it's going to be very interesting once she gets up there and to say and and purport that she is uh, Scalia's uh, protege, if she's really his protege, she's going to have to actually go against her own interests on this bench. Um, beyond Roe v. Wade, beyond Voting Rights Act, beyond any LGBTQ plus issues, she's going to be literally going against herself. So it's going to be frustrating on many fronts how she is going to be on this court and how this court is going to lean even further right than I think even the conservatives in Congress uh, imagine it to be. Well, again, I, I, it's been quite interesting in, ter in terms of in terms of watching this and then listen to Republicans, Joseph, sit here and talk about oh, what is hypocritical and 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 on all this, we believe it's about the Constitution and Senator Mike Lee, you know, holding up his little pocket Constitution. I'm like, come on, man, give me a break. Well, if we're going to be real here, uh, and I, I, I. I encourage that we are. It is about projection. This is nothing more than a sham. We all know it. 
The problem here is that they're trying to make it so that it's not a PR problem for them. And let's let's face it. I mean, if this thing goes through like it like it looks like it's gonna, it's likely that they will lose seats and possibly lose the majority. So they're willing to sacrifice that level of power for this thing that they've wanted for 40 years. And it's so close within their grasp, not even COVID's going to stop them. They're going to crawl over broken glass. They'll crawl over hot coals if they have to, to get that sixth vote on the Supreme Court. And, and I think it's true that, that when you are so conservative, you sometimes can take so many right turns that you can end up on the left. But I also think that in terms of her voting against her interests in some cases, her interests are very, very clear. I mean, she, is prox she has proximity to power. And that's one thing that a lot of, 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 of white women kind of recognize internally is that it's not about having the power yourself. It's about being close to power and about assuming that those close to power will look out for you. That may not be the case. It probably will not be the case in many cases. But I think that at, at this stage of the game, she's got all the advantages that a lot of these decisions will not hurt her. I mean, she's probably not going to have to face an abortion. Perhaps her children were, will. And even if they do, they are the exception because they are among the white elite. So if they need an abortion, they're certainly going to be able to get one. Uh, her black children, eh, I mean, they're going to face some, some, some problems too. But again, they are part of an elite white family, and a lot of those problems will be papered over by the fact that they're conservative, they have money, and she has reputation and standing. So already, a lot of the problems that her black children would be facing just disappear. So I think in terms of her having to make decisions that will go against her interests, I mean, her interests are very, very clear, and her interests are quite narrow. It doesn't extend very far beyond her family. Well, look, uh, as, as, look, we know she's going to get confirmed. That's going to happen. She's going to get confirmed. But this is the moment. This is the opportunity, uh, Lauren and Kelly, where Democrats have got to make a decision. Are you going to be as ruthless? Are you going to be uh, as cold-blooded as Republicans? You're seeing the polling right now. Democrats are likely going to take control of the United States Senate. If they do, and Joe Biden is president, they damn well better go hard. And I'm talking about, fine, y'all confirmed judges with 51 votes, we're doing the same thing. All of those, all of those uh, votes that passed in the House, bring those bills up again. Pass those bills in a Senate. That's what needs to happen. We're going to talk about that in just a second. But right now, we're going to go back to the stage here uh, where Brian Courtney Wilson is about uh, to uh, bless the crowd uh, right here. If you know the Lord is still our help, regardless of what we may be facing down, will you show some sign, wave a hand, as if you know the seed of faith that you plant with your vote? is gonna be met with miraculous manifestation. If you believe it, show some sign. You met me deep in my despair to show me you would never leave me there. You claim me cause I was Made for so much more, I am your child, and I'm worth fighting for, though heavy, with the weight of my mistakes, you carried me, and refused to let me sink under the
the pressure you meant for me to soar. I am your child, and I'm worth fighting for. Eyes haven't seen, ears haven't heard all you have planned for me, and nothing can separate me from your love when there's so much more still worth fighting for now i'm moving by faith and not by sight towards victory by the power of your might you're straightening out my pain it's opening every door i am your child oh god and i'm worth fighting for I no No, nothing, nothing can me from me your love, from God. love, God. When so still worth, worth eyes haven't seen, ears haven't heard, all you have planned for me. And nothing, no, nothing can why I'm pressing towards the mark because the calling on my life is worth fighting for and I keep my mind stayed on my king because the peace it brings is worth fighting for and I'll be faithful for my wife and children because my family singing it one more time, declaring it, loosening it, speaking it, believing it. Eyes haven't seen, ears haven't heard, all 
has begun a great work in you is faithful to perform God is faithful to perform it if you're gonna persist until it's finished show some signs show me it's faithful to perform it God is faithful to perform it yesterday today and forevermore we serve a finisher who's mighty to save Mighty in battle. Great is his faithfulness. Great is his faithfulness. So what should be considered as we proceed? That this work did not begin with you. Our mother's mothers and father's fathers. When we were but the faint notion of a dream in their minds, they hope for a harvest, a legacy, a great work. So may your next step forward help us to connect the dots and see this picture of greatness. In fact, I think all that you are. His Justice, because it lets us grace in this wonderful world where our children laugh and play and dream and see greatness. I see greatness more than we can imagine. Let me assure you that it's great, and our God is faithful. Yes, Lord, is there a witness? Yes, God. Yes, you're great. Thank you, God. Y'all give it up for Brian Courtney Wilson. That song almost gonna make me cry every time. Every time. Uh, Latasha Brown, uh, Latasha, Latasha Brown, uh, and Cliff Albright gonna be speaking uh, to the folks uh, as well, and so uh, we'll be uh, carrying that is just a second. Uh, there have been uh, there are a number of things that are gonna be also happening. 
all throughout the week. They're going to be here in Texas all week long, uh, actually going to different places. The way they did earlier, they actually had a car caravan that traveled to different early voting locations uh, all across uh, all across the uh, uh, of the city. In fact, uh, folks, uh, earlier today, I was, of course, I was in uh, Dallas, uh, and of course, uh, there for early voting that was taking place there, I voted. You, 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 you see me wearing my you see me wearing my sticker right now, uh, and so this is a shot here. Uh, this is a shot here of early voting uh, that was at one of the locations there. Folks, it was jam-packed uh, all over. Uh, I dropped by Friendship West Baptist Church, uh, and let me tell you something. They were there early, early this morning. Uh, the line was actually packed, 727. They were lined up. There were some people at this early voting location who got there at 430 in the morning. The polls did not open uh, until 7, so that gives you an understanding uh, of how focused and committed uh, folks are uh, to uh, to voting, it has been uh, it has been really I mean unbelievable uh, to see what is happening uh, all across. Uh, all across uh, the state. One of the things that uh, also uh, I'm going to show you some of that video uh, when I drop drop by Friendship West, uh, and so y'all can actually uh, check check this out. Uh, so this is some video here. They have a massive Black Lives Matter uh, banner uh, that's uh, on the uh, side of the church uh, there where we broadcast the show from on yesterday. And so uh, that's some of the uh, video that you're seeing uh, right there of folks who are actually going to the polls. We are seeing that all across the country, all across the country. Uh, and I bring my panel back in uh, to talk about that because what we're seeing is we are seeing unbelievable response, Kelly, in Georgia, in Georgia, massive numbers in Wisconsin. 1.3 million people, Kelly, in Wisconsin requested an absentee ballot. More than 50% of those ballots have already been returned. That gives you a real indication of how focused folks are. Now, again, we don't know whether that's Trump supporters or Biden supporters, but we are seeing significant interest in this campaign. Kelly? I absolutely agree with you. For me, it is more, it's just very encouraging that we are seeing people vote, period, at this juncture. Obviously, I hope that more people are voting for Biden because we definitely need Trump out of office. But at the same time, compared to the numbers that we got in 2016, I already feel very hopeful and cautiously optimistic that we actually have a better voting turnout and a better reflection of what this country actually wants, both on the popular vote side and the electoral vote side, because there can't be that big of a discrepancy this time. We can't afford it. And I'm just really proud of our country at this very moment because the stakes have never been higher. We're literally in the middle of a pandemic. We are in the, little, in the middle of several uh, corrupt conspiracy things going on in this White House from Trump and Russia to Trump and his taxes to Trump just being Trump. And we are seeing a reflection of just how tired Americans are, specifically in the states that are affected by this pandemic and his actions the most, such as Georgia. So again, I'm really proud of Georgians, and I'm really proud of this country in advance for really voting him out and making sure that our voices are heard. Uh, this is uh, some more video here uh, of folks who are in line uh, there today. Uh, folks were excited. 
Uh, and let me tell you something. They were patient. They were waiting. Uh, uh, Lauren, uh, it, it was interesting. The different places where I stopped talking to people. Uh, let me tell you something. Like I say, Lauren, there were people who were there at 4.30 in the morning. That tells you how serious folks are about this election. Right. Well, you know, obviously early voting is setting records. Uh, pretty much uh, in three or four states, I think Virginia is still number one in terms of uh, early voting turnout. I think they're almost at a million, which frankly is unheard of. They did extend the early voting period to 45 days before the election. Uh, I really think that obviously this is a result of Donald Trump being in office and crazy, insane things like two governors, a plot to kidnap and put on trial, by the way, two governors uh, in our country, which is just insane. And, and we should not just allow something like that to be spoken of lightly. Uh, you know, obviously, when you do have the turnout on one side, it, it does, in fact, uh, get the turnout out on the other side. So you, you still have the fact that um, when you do see, as Roland, you reference, when you see, um, you know, Team Blue out, you're going to get Team Red out as well. But, uh, you know, it is, it is stunning to see these lines, knowing what we've already known since seeing what we've already seen when Stacey Abrams ran in Georgia uh, two years ago. Here we are again with these lines. Uh, you know, we do understand that that means that there's a lot of enthusiasm. We also understand that there's a concerted effort to make sure certain constituencies have to wait in line a long time. But because people's tolerance levels are so high, the reason people's tolerance levels are so high is because Donald Trump is in office. They understand that they're going to have to wait three or four hours in line, which is, of course, absurd, given the technology and given the fact that we are the world's number one industrialized nation, yet we can't get people into a, a voting booth in less than an hour. It's completely ridiculous. But it is good to see, obviously, everybody out. Uh, Joseph, one of the things, Joseph, again, um, we're, look, folks see all the drama taking place with Donald Trump and Republicans when it comes to mail-in voting. People are willing to wait in line. They don't want to do it, but they flat out don't trust the mail system, and they are saying we will be here as long as we need to to make sure that we vote. Well, and that goes back to one of your earlier points, which is the fact that, that there is so much at stake. And part of the issue here is that we could have a Supreme Court that could promote some shenanigans after the election. I mean, we'll just have to wait and see about that. But uh, two things come to mind when I see those lines. The first is, yes, it's incredibly heartening. Uh, it harkens back to the 1960s and 50s to, to know that our people know that this is for real. This is not a drill. This is not something that we can take lightly. And to have voting at such unprecedented levels is very heartening. It's infuriating, however, to have those lines. Yes, we're in a pandemic. Yes, we are having uh, people have socially distanced, and you can't only you can only let a certain number of people in the polling place at a time. However, Texas limited the number of boxes, and that decision was up, upheld today, uh, limiting the number of, of drop boxes. Uh, Virginia having trouble with the court, with the uh, lines being cut. Uh, uh, problems in Wisconsin, problems in Pennsylvania, you name a swing state, there is a contest where Republicans are trying to narrow the vote and they're trying to restrict the vote, which is, which is just infuriating, particularly when you understand that they have packed the court, they're about to get another six justice, and that even though the vote happens, it's still going to face, you know, we're still in for a long season, perhaps a long winter of really awful, perhaps 
court decisions that go against the will of the people because Republicans chose not to wait. And they chose not to wait for a reason, because they need to get that sick vote in there, because they know they're facing an uphill battle to maintain control of the Senate. So on the one hand, very, very heartening. On the other hand, infuriating. But the third point that I want to make is that the, every people have gotten the message that this election must be decisive. In order to defeat Donald Trump, it has to be clear, perhaps not on election night, uh, but certainly getting there close. And that means people have to come out and vote and vote in droves and vote no matter what. So the memo has gotten out to the left and, and to liberals that this election matters. Do whatever you got to do. Uh, First Lady Michelle Obama said it during the uh, uh, Democratic convention. Bring a lunch if you have to, because you know it's going to be long. So people have been mentally prepared for this to be a challenge. And the vote must be decisive in order for Trump to not even have the opportunity to have any shenanigans after the election. The vote must be decisive and it must be early and it must be as, as quickly as we can make it happen. youtube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real. It's Roland Martin Unfiltered. See that name right there? Roland Martin Unfiltered. Like, share, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's youtube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. And don't forget to turn on your notifications so when we go live, you'll know it. You go to prison in 19. Sentence for how long? 15 years. And you're, for the first time, you're hearing this old man talk about voting. Mm -hmm. What did you say? What's that? What's that? And why does that make a difference? What did he say? And he broke the Amherst thing down to me. About they gonna be stealing money. He said, and his thing was about people getting out. He said, man, a lot of people gonna be here that's not gonna get out because Bush is gonna come in and he gonna set off all these people's sentences just to show that he's tough on crime to get favor with whoever put him in office made sense to me once he broke it down then i started reading about voting and the importance of voting just talking with them because these are men who probably marched for voting probably something went wrong in their life they still ended up in this place but there was a lot of knowledgeable people there and i just hung with the old cats that had all this information hey man when you get out this is what needs to happen this is what's not in the community this is the reason why you're here you know what i'm saying you don't you don't see it like this you know and i'm like man wow 
that was that was that was deep what you just said. And I'm still young and wild in there. And I didn't understand that these old cats, because I was one of the only young people that was still listening. Like you can still talk to me. I was still Huh? What you saying? I wasn't at this point where what you said didn't have no weight to me. Like I, I wasn't a lost cause. So they came up with this plan unbeknownst to me. I didn't find out about it until they had already accomplished their goal. The man said that I was so wild on this unit, dude named Blackshaw, he said, we can't got together, we say once we get him, then we get the rest of the youngsters. And he said, when I said that, you was on the wreck yard fighting when I said it. You are watching Roland Martin, and I'm on his show today, and it's, what, huh? You should have some cue cards. Hey, what's up, y'all? It's your boy, Jacob Lattimore, and you're now watching Roland Martin right now. E I don't care who you are or where you work. Get your ass out and vote. <laughs> this ain't the election to sit home and lurk. Might want to vote, Jerry, mm -hmm. in these streets. It's a time where you have to stock as many people up as possible to challenge information. See, don't believe the hype. When we made that record, and it was partially from Noam Chomsky, because I went to school, had to do a thesis on this dude, and I said, well, it ain't I'm, I'm embracing any white history. It's not I'm embracing um, all this information because I, I I want to, and I think it's it, it's it's a wonderful thing to drape myself in. You gotta stock information to challenge information, and the information sometimes we call it BS. If you don't know nothing, how are you gonna challenge something that's coming at you? Right. All right, folks, Roland Martin back here live, Houston, Texas, Fountain Life Center, Fountain of Praise Church, Black Voters Matter having their uh, social distance rally. Joining us right now, uh, we were talking earlier before the break, Pastor Remus Wright, uh, the pastor of this church. Uh, glad you're here. Black voters again. don't vote. Uh, pastor Wright, again, why Roland, thank you, man. But it's important because we want to get all of the people in this city to come out to vote. The most important thing right now is to recognize that this is an unprecedented time of the year. This election is probably going to be the most important election of the next 20 years. And so we want to encourage everybody to come out to be a part of it. As a matter of fact, I'm asking all of my nephews, all of my nieces, all of my cousins, all of my family members to come out to be a part. We need each and every one of you to come out and be a part. Now, one of the things you I mentioned your so nephews and others. I just got an opportunity uh, to talk to this person yesterday. A lot of brothers out here have been talking to. Like, oh, I'm not quite community. sure 
Brothers need to be involved because we recognize what happened to black men in exponential rates. I mean, you know, when you think about the, the various crimes that are occurring, when you think about the systemic racism, when you think about the brothers that are dealing with police brutality and various police issues, it's time for us to make sure that we can make our vote count. So we want to encourage all of them to come out and be a part of this. Man, it's great to see you too. How's mom and dad? Uh, they're good. They were working the polls today. So uh, good so deal. I where they were working the polls, so. I'm going to be doing the same thing. Right. I'm going to be doing the same right. thing, man. Pastor Bless you, brother. I appreciate it, man. Thanks a lot. All, all right, right Rose. Uh, again, uh, we are we up here for this very issue. Carl Davis, he is speaking uh, on stage uh, right now. Uh, but uh, in a second, uh, the folks with uh, Black Voters Matter, Cliff Albright, Latasha Brown, they're going to be speaking uh, in just a second. We'll be chatting with them. Uh, I want to I talk about this story here uh, that's out of Virginia. Portsmouth, Virginia, I don't know what the hell is going on there. People are losing their mind. A judge has dropped a case against the vice mayor, uh, Lisa Lucas Burke, after she was charged with violating the city charter in August. A resident of Portsmouth, Thomas Dubois, filed two Class Three misdemeanor charges against her. He says she violated a section of the city code where she called for the Portsmouth police chief, Angela Green, to be fired over charges that Green filed in connection to the destruction of the Confederate monument. The dismissal prevents the case from going to trial. Uh, Lauren, this is, the, this is the most idiotic thing I've ever seen in my life that's happening in Portsmouth, Virginia, uh, that residents can file charges and then these folks, you know, we already had them try to go up to the DA, but trying to file felony charges against the vice mayor, what's happening in that city is crazy. Absolutely right. And, you know, the reason that the vice mayor uh, has charges filed because she's the daughter of the black woman in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Full disclosure, one of my clients for communications is the lieutenant governor of Virginia, Justin Fairfax. And Miss uh, Senator Lucas uh, is uh, the speaker, uh, the president of the, of the of Virginia Senate. And quite frankly, uh, Louise Lucas is a very uh, active, very direct uh, voice in the black community in Portsmouth and in Virginia in general. And the people down there know it. They're aware of that. They're aware that her voice is strong. They're aware that she has power. And they went after her and her daughter very deliberately. They used their office to uh, go after them. I mean, it was just right there in broad daylight. On the very day that Senator Lucas was arriving in Richmond to uh, work on a, a special session on justice reform, uh, they hit her with a felony uh, for something, for a monument coming out of Portsmouth that she wasn't even at when the monument came down. It was completely absurd. It was completely, uh, you know, out of nowhere. And then suddenly, by some amazing coincidence, her daughter, who is the vice mayor in Portsmouth, uh, is hit with a felony as well. I mean, you can't make it up. It is a throwback to the old South. Uh, it is Bull Connor. It is absolutely out of order. And so, of course, this stuff got thrown out. But the fact that they were so brazen as to do it in the first place, it really is straight out of what Donald Trump was talking about with regard to using the Justice Department uh, against Hillary Clinton. I mean, it was the exact same thing. He wants to use the level, level, uh, levers of power that he has to go after his political enemies. That's exactly what, what they were doing. 
But, but Lauren, but, but I want to bring in Kelly here. Kelly, also, though, this is what you also see what happens when cities begin to shift power away from white rule to black rule. No, absolutely. Um, I'm not surprised at the antics in Virginia. People, um, at least in the DMV area, kind of think of Virginia as a whole as this very liberal state and forget that it was the capital of the Confederacy. It has deep roots in racism and white supremacy and bigotry. And Portsmouth is just like a small microcosm of an example as to exactly how deep-rooted this goes. So I'm not surprised at the antics of these people, um, but it does need to stop. And I, I don't know what steps and measures need to be taken in order for it to stop, but definitely if a vote is needed, this would now be the time. <laughs> I, I look, I, I'll tell you, Joseph, it, it's unbelievable to see what how this thing is playing out. And so this is why also judges matter. And so you can elect black folks in the case of Portsmouth, black district attorney, black vice mayor, uh, other African-Americans. But you still see how people want to use the legal system to put black political power in check. Well, and it's it's white entitlement that's doing that. It's clear. Uh, and so the judges do matter. They're the ones who get the last word, who get the final say. So that's why it's very concerning and why it's very important to vote in local elections. Yes, a lot of judges are appointed by the federal government. Those are federal judges. But local judges in many jurisdictions, they are elected officials. And if they aren't elected officials, they tend to be appointed by elected officials. So they have an inordinate amount of power and people need to use their power uh, of the vote to make sure that power keeps in check. Uh, Portsmouth, again, a capital comparison. My parents lived in the city next door in Chesapeake. We used to call it Chesabama because it was a, a rural place, a lot of uh, peanut fields, and a lot of people who had the rural sensibility that uh, black people aren't necessarily welcome in this parts of the country. So uh, it's very uh, uh, not surprising at all, rather, I should say, that uh, they went to war or that some white person felt entitled to check black political power over a, over a Confederate monument, something we've seen all over uh, 1990, uh, 2019 and again in 2020. And we probably haven't seen the end of it, particularly in Virginia, where there are more Confederate monuments, it seems, than there are cities. Uh, I want to also tell y'all uh, about a story uh, here in Galveston County, first of all, which is south of Houston. Uh, uh, Texas voters there received mail-in ballots that left off some of the races. The ballot is missing five countywide judges, including county sheriff and two district judgeships. Most are black districts. Teresa Hudson, a black woman running for judge in one of the races, was left off of the ballot. She's challenging incumbent Republican Judge Jared Robinson for the bench of Galveston County's 405th District Court. Uh, we'll certainly update you uh, on this becomes available. I I'm just trying to understand how you leave folk off the ballot. That actually makes no sense to me. Uh, no sense whatsoever. Uh, we're going to go to we're going to go to the, um, uh, 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 the the stage here in a second where Cliff uh, and Natasha are going to be speaking as well. Uh, we're going to do that, but. I'm, I'm just trying to understand, uh, Joseph, again, you're trying to, you got balance. How you leave folk off the ballot? See, it, it, two reasons. Uh, intentional, which is bad enough, 
which is very bad, I should say, and sloppy, which is almost as bad as intentional. You have people who aren't paying attention, who may not necessarily uh, be, this might not be their person. It's inexcusable in the long run. And in the short run, it's more of these election shenanigans that we've seen uh, when Republican goes against Democrat and the Democrat uh, or the Republican has the upper hand and wants to try to consolidate and hold on to power. I'm not surprised. Uh, I am disappointed that we're seeing this. It's probably not the last time. Well, I'll tell you, it's absolutely crazy uh, what's happening here. All right, folks, this is going to happen. We're going to go to a quick break. We'll be back on Roller Martin Unfiltered. Again, we come back. We're going to hear from the co-founders of uh, Black Voters Matter. We're also going to be talking uh, in about 10 minutes with uh, Senator Amy Klobuchar, uh, who asking some tough questions of Amy Coney Barrett in today's Supreme Court uh, hearing. We'll be back on Roller Martin Unfiltered in just a moment. This is Judge Matthews. What's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Mac Wiles, and you are watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. You are watching Roland Martin, and I'm on his show today, and it's... What, huh? We should have some chew cards. Hey, what's up, y'all? It's your boy, Jacob Lattimore, and you're not watching Roland Martin right now. E you want to support Roller Martin Unfiltered? Be sure to join our Bring the Funk fan club. Every dollar that you give to us supports our daily digital show. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real as Roller Martin Unfiltered. Support the Roller Martin Unfiltered daily digital show by going to RollerMartinUnfiltered.com. Our goal is to get 20,000 of our fans contributing 50 bucks each for the whole year. You can make this possible. All right, folks, uh, welcome back to uh, Houston, Texas. Uh, Black Voters Matter rally taking place here at uh, Fountain Life Center. Uh, we're glad to uh, be with you, folks. Uh, it has been uh, a quite the busy day all across the state of Texas as early voting has been taking place. Folks have been going to the polls all across long lines as well. But one of the things that was asked today in the Supreme Court hearing nomination of Amy Coney Barrett dealt with voter intimidation. Republicans, Donald Trump, is one of the things they've been wanting to do. Joining us right now, Senator Amy Klobuchar from Minnesota. Senator Klobuchar, welcome back to Roller Martin Unfiltered. Well, thank you, Roland. It's great to be on again. I just got to ask you, how in the hell could, could Amy Coney Barrett say she wasn't sure about the issue of voter intimidation? And you were like, it's already the law. I literally could not believe it. I read for her the statute myself, and I'll read it again. Uh, she would not commit, she would not commit uh, to whether she believed in this uh, precedent and that she believed, um, and she was very vague. And I finally said, you know, 18 U.S.C. 594 outlaws anyone who intimidates, threatens, coerces, or attempts to intimidate any person for the purpose of uh, of interfering with their right to vote. And my point to her was this is happening right now, as you know. In Minnesota, we have this issue where uh, the uh, there's been a notice to ask former special forces people to be employed to come and stand at our polls. That happened, and that's why I made the point to her. 
Now, obviously, voting rights is also a critical issue. Um, is that is that actually going to come up? I know Democrats keep asking about Roe v. Wade, but the Supreme Court is also going to hear a major voting rights case out of Arizona that could gut Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act. That's something that African Americans are very concerned about as well. Exactly. This is right on the Supreme Court's docket. And what I said to her was, you are taking the seat, if that's what's going to happen, and we're doing everything to stop it, but you would be taking the seat of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who was a key leader when it came to voting rights. As you know, Roland, with the Voting Rights Act, it was Ruth Bader Ginsburg who wrote the dissent, which I called today, in her words, the blueprint for the future, uh, that talked about the fact that if you allow uh, the law uh, to be broken down like this, states, Ruth said, the justice said, are going to literally start enacting voter suppression. And we now know over 20 of them did that all over the place, including a number of states with people that serve on the committee. Uh, Senator Graham state in South Carolina, as you know, they just said, yeah, you got to have a witness still, even in the middle of a pandemic. North Carolina, uh, law enacted there that the higher court said, the Fourth Circuit, that they were discriminating against African-Americans with surgical precision. Tom Tillis is on that committee. Uh, then you go down the row. Marsha Blackburn in Tennessee, they're contesting even doing ballot drop-off boxes. And the final one, Texas, a county the size of Harris County, 4.7 million people. And the governor said only one drop box per county. And in every single county, one judge stepped in bravely and said that's wrong. And just yesterday, three Trump judges reversed it. That is also most likely going to the Supreme Court. So you can see why having someone like Justice Ginsburg on the court is so important. And it's a very, very strong case to make against this nominee. Um, Senator, another thing that jumps, and I just got to lay it out. All these Republicans keep talking about court packing, court packing. That's what the Republicans have been doing. They've been packing the courts. This is what I got to know. If Democrats take control of the Senate, are Democrats going to be as ruthless, as hardcore, and, and driving their agenda? Because, look, that's one of the things. Democrats play nice. Republicans are about power. So folks want to know, are Democrats going to use the power if they get the power? Roland. Number one thing we're doing right now is trying to win this election. And you know what's happening. You know the numbers with Jamie Harrison in South Carolina, how well he's doing, how well we're doing in states all over the place. That is my focus. And then we will look at all reforms, of course. I've always said that. I said that when I was running for president. But the number one thing right now, the focus is to win this election. And who is packing the court right now? And I think this gets lost. The Republicans are. They're the ones that have reversed the precedent that they set themselves, that the in an election year, that the person who wins the election, the president, the new president should be able to pick the nominee. They are the ones that are packing the court right now with their disrespect for their own president, as well as precedent, as well as uh, the clear violation of the rule set by Abraham Lincoln, a man of honor, who the last time we had a justice die this close to an election, he said, we wait till after the election. All right, Senator, uh, we got, actually, we got a surprise here. Uh, Cliff Albright and Latasha Brown, they're the co-founders of Black Voters Matter. Uh, we're here at their rally uh, here in Houston. Ah. And so they were going to come on next. And so, look, they all about voting. So they got a question for you. So, Cliff, go ahead. What's your question? Yeah, hey there, Senator. We're, we're all about voting, but we're also all about power. And so our question is, 
why is it that the Democrats in the Senate won't use everything at their disposal, all the power at their disposal, to use every parliamentary procedure they can in order to stop this nomination? Well, I think you see us uh, being um, aggressive, and you see what we've done today and what I did in my examination of this judge. Uh, I really pushed on the issues of voting and made it very clear. And actually, as Roland pointed out at the beginning, uh, she wouldn't even agree that voter intimidation was against the law. So that's the case that we're making. And my case is made to the American people to vote. And I know that's what we share that. That's what you're doing right now. And I said earlier, we will try everything we can. And we have limited tools. We're doing everything we can. But the key is to make the case to the American people to vote. That is going to make the biggest difference, as well as calling these Republican senators, many of them up in tough races right now, um, who they're hearing from their uh, constituents that they don't want a judge like this on there who's going to throw out the Affordable Care Act. When you look at her record, every sign, as I said today, every track leads to her voting against the Affordable Care Act. Those are, when you look at how she criticized the decision upholding Obamacare, well, when you look at everything she's done, that's where you get headed with this judge. And so I think it's our job to make that case, and that's what we've been doing, instead of just business as usual at these hearings. All right, Senator Amy Klobuchar, we certainly appreciate you joining us on Roller Martin Unfiltered. Okay. Thanks a bunch. All right. It's great to be on. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right, folks, I'm going to chat now with uh, Cliff and Latasha. Uh, Cliff and Latasha, first of all, uh, glad to be with y'all. Where have we not been? We have been on the road for, I think it's 17 days now, 17 days, going on to 18. We will hit 15 states at the end. I think we've already been to eight states. We've been to Ohio, South Carolina, North Carolina, Georgia, uh, Pennsylvania, Michigan. Um, uh, and now we're here in the great state of Texas. And we're headed to Louisiana and Alabama this weekend. So we're going to keep going. We're going and we're in these streets because our people are here. We care about them. We're spreading love and building power. And what we're hearing on the ground, and I think it's really important for us to put pressure on elected officials, the level of voter suppression. And it happens in many ways. We're seeing lines. We just got a phone call today that even in, in, in Georgia, there are lines that people are waiting in, in Atlanta for eight hours to vote. We're looking in right now as we stand in Texas, instead of expanding access, what we know is a federal judge late last night decided there would only be one drop-off point. Why in the middle of, of the, because of the governor, what the governor pushed? What we are seeing is Republicans all across this country try to prevent black voters from voting in this election cycle. They are pulling out all of the stops to suppress the vote. And we're saying this not in a, a space around being partisan. We're saying that because we're going to speak truth to power. And that is what is happening all across the board. We're seeing the governors. We're seeing secretary of states. We're seeing all kinds of elements to suppress the black vote. But don't worry about it. We coming and we coming hard. Uh, well, uh, first of all, uh, we certainly appreciate uh, y'all coming and uh, coming hard as well. And so, Cliff, speaking of that, um, there are people out there who say, all right, you know what? Does my vote really matter? You've got people, uh, uh, folks I know in Alabama, y'all going out this weekend. Uh, they say, well, look, this is, a, this is a Republican state, so it doesn't matter. I keep arguing it definitely doesn't matter if you never use it. 
this before, right? Our, our whole story is about this. You know, they said that about us uh, three years ago in that Alabama Senate race with Doug Jones and Roy Moore, and they said that, you know, he didn't have a chance. They said black folks wouldn't come out. It was a special election. It was a runoff. It was December, and it's too cold. It's too cold for black folks to come out. It's snowing, and, and black folks ain't going to vote in the snow. Black folks came out and showed out and made history and sent Roy Moore on home, him and his horse, sent them both home. And so we've done this over and over before. We've been doing it since then. Black folks have been showing out and and making a difference in critical races all across this country. And we believe it's going to happen right now. And we believe it's going to happen right here in the state of Texas. We think people are sleeping on Texas, but we think that uh, Texas can shock the world. And we think that Houston has the ability to help this state to shock the world, to shock the rest of the country. And so we've seen it before, and we're seeing record numbers, right? Even with all the voter suppression that Latasha talked about in Georgia, we saw 120,000 votes yesterday on Georgia's first day of early voting. I think we might be able to top that here in Texas today. So we'll see what the numbers are like. But at the end of the day, you can't stop the rain. And no, and no matter what the voter suppression is, we're going to come out in record numbers right. and shock the country. That's right. First of all, let's be clear. Georgia is small compared to Texas. So let's just be real clear about that. Let's not, let's not be confused about that. Uh, but one of the things, Latasha, as you were talking, you were talking about, uh, again, what people are having to deal with. Uh, there were a lot of people who were going to do mail-in voting, but then they said, you know what, I'm not trusting this particular process. Now what we're seeing, we're seeing folks say, okay, fine, y'all going to make us stand in line? We're going to wear the mask. We're going to have the distance. We're going to have uh, our hand sanitizer. Uh, they are sending a signal to the folks who have put barriers in a place that, you, that our ancestors didn't take it, and we're not going to take it now. You know what, Roland, is so interesting. My grandmother used to say, what the devil meant for harm, God will use for your good. So what is ultimately happening, what we're seeing that is up ultimately happening is that fundamentally that there are all of these efforts of voter suppression. We see it. We know it. If it looks like a duck, quacks like a duck, walk like a duck, it's a duck. Right? If it looks like voter suppression, feels like voter suppression, anything that's preventing us to try to get to the polls, we see it, we know it, and we know what to do about it. And what we're seeing, which makes me so happy, is that we're seeing our people come out in record numbers. Everywhere we've been going, folks have been standing in lines, folks been bringing their lawn chairs, they don't seem like they got to worry that they're sitting down there with their water, bringing their water bottles, because we are determined. Because at the end of the day, nothing is going to stop us or take us backwards. We have gone too far. We fought too hard. There are too many of our people who have died. That at the end of the day, what we know is whenever we have stood in our power, this country has had to literally be able to deal with us. And so again, we see in this moment those very elements that have been used from trying to dismantle the Postal Service to um, voter suppression like we see in Georgia where 200,000 people were dropped off the voting rolls to what we see here in Texas where you got one polling site in the midst of the pandemic, which is crazy. People are responding in a way that's saying we're not going to take that. Ain't nothing going to turn us around. And so what we're really happy about and what we're hearing on the ground, people are determined. We stopped at um, a place today and folks are running up to us asking us for a T-shirt or bracelet saying that they voted, showing us their voting sticker because there's something about fundamentally, we know what time it is. We know what time it is. I wanted to, I wanted to ask y'all about uh, you talk about the response from you, you about how people uh, are coming up to you and 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 how, and how they are, are are engaged in this. Have you seen a lot more young folks as well? 
Uh, I was when I was in Dallas yesterday. It was an old sister, beat up car, handicap sticker. She was scouting out the early voting location to see how she gonna vote tomorrow. Uh, and so when we look at a lot of polling data, we're not necessarily seeing. Uh, we're seeing again still a lot of young people who feel as if their vote doesn't matter. Uh, how how are y'all also pushing that and encouraging young black folks that you can't say I'm gonna protest, but then not vote? Because the very folk who you're trying to make policy changes are the very folk who get elected. One without the other don't make any sense whatsoever. Cliff? Yeah, no, we've actually been seeing a lot of good energy amongst young folks. I mean, we've seen, and there have been polls that have shown that amongst folks that were organizing in the, in the streets and protesting in the streets, that voter registration has actually gone up. And everything that we see has been has been matching that. We actually see it even on the, you know, we support organizations, community groups, uh, churches, uh, uh, fraternities and sororities. And we've seen an increase in, in support requests that we've gotten from students who are on campuses, even students that are currently dealing with coronavirus and grades and all that stuff, but we're seeing an increase in them coming to us saying, look, we want to do some GOTV. We want to do some, some voter registration. We want to have some, some polling place parties. And so we're just seeing that at all levels, whether it's on campus or even off campus in some of the communities that we go to, where young folks are really leading the way. Because I think what has happened is that when folks were in the streets, and making demands, whether it was defund the police or, or other demands, what they became clear was that they're making these demands of folks that have been elected into office. Right. And they're trying to get to a position where they don't have to make demands and force people to do right. They're trying to create a situation where they're able to put folks in so that they won't have to force them to do right. And so young folks have really connected the dots. But the truth is, that's not a new thing because that's always that's been the history of our movements. Our movements have always been driven by young folks. And, and it's nothing. There's there was no Birmingham movement without the Children's March. Right. And there is no Black Lives Matter or defund the police without the young folks today. And they're going to show up and show out on Election Day and every day between now and Election Day, because today is Election Day in states like Texas. That's right. Well, I tell you, I think, the I think there's an opportunity, again, that what we have to do, and look, we talk about this all the time, we have to connect the dots. Mm -hmm. You got to connect the dots. to understand how who you elect as a judge that's right. mass incarceration. Who you elect as DA determines whether or not you can go before the judge. That's right. Who you pick when it comes to your state house race also matters because those are the people who are going to state And so I think if there's one thing that has to happen, there has to be a massive civics education. That's right. In not as our community, but across this country, because a lot of folks really have no idea the truth is, if we think about all the attention that's been paid over the past six years, since Trayvon, since Mike Brown, right, um, we didn't even have, think about the language, progressive prosecutor. That phrase didn't even exist six years ago. That's something that Black Lives Matter and predominantly young folks created. That's something that folks in Ferguson created, which has led to, to um, folks like a Kim Gardner, right, or, or some of these other progressive prosecutors. The, the attention that we pay now, like you said, on, on DA's races and sheriff's races and judges' races, those were races that we weren't really thinking about six years ago, eight years ago, ten years ago. We were focused on mayors and, and city council and, 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 and maybe, you know, senate and president but there's a whole area of work today, electoral work, that is a direct descendant of the work of Black Lives Matter and the work in the streets. And we're going to see the same thing happening with the current iteration of Black Lives Matter and the, and the defund movement and the protests that have taken place over this historic past spring and summer.
You know, one of the things that we like to say is when young folks come up, and even when we're on the street organizing, and people come up and they, they talk about they're disappointed in the vote, we don't try to evangelize them. We say, we understand how you feel, because we feel like that. We have actually voted for people before and been disappointed. We've got to be honest about voting. Voting has severe limitations, but it also is a power and a leverage. And when you are a people and a community in struggle, you cannot afford to leave any power on the table. And so part of our work is doing twofold, is one, getting people to vote because mighty rivers are filled drop by drop, right? And so we've got to hold folks accountable in the now, right? We've got to move people in position in the now and move people out of position in the now. But while we're doing that, we also have to radically reimagine every single system in this country. There were folks that were talking about defund the police. Why y'all saying that? Well, we're looking at San Francisco. We've seen major cities already start that process. And so black folks have always been pioneers on literally pushing this system to live up what it says it's supposed to be. We've got to continue to do that. And so we got to see voting as one tool. So what we do when we meet with young folk and people on the street that said that they're not interested in voting, we ask them, what is it you care about? I've never met a single person on the street that did not care about something. That's why we don't say people are apathetic. And when we connect with them with what they care about, we listen to them. And we listen to them, we ask them, what is it you want to see? And normally what we can do is make the connection to what it is they care about, what they want to see in voting. That's when I've seen the light bulb go off because it becomes real to them. And in those moments, we're telling them, we're having an authentic conversation about what voting is, it is not the panacea to all our problems, but it's darn sure a big old stick that like we can back some folks up and we can also put some people in office that will look out for our interests. And so as we're doing this work, we're building power and voting is one tool of building power. But I don't know about anybody else, the biggest piece is if any decision is gonna be made about Latasha Brown, I need to be a part of that decision-making process. And so there are folks that are making decisions every single day about our lives. There's a man in the White House that don't even care about his own health. How are you gonna look out for our health? Right, there's a man in the White House right now that don't even have enough sense to really be able to recognize what is happening in this country. And so our people are who are vulnerable right now. And so we've gotta look out, not just this is beyond the candidates, this isn't about the political parties for us, Quite frankly, this isn't about the candidates. This is about us. That fundamentally, we have to use every single tool at our disposal to make sure that we're building power and reducing the harm happening in our community. And the truth of the matter is facts, that voting is one of those tools. All right, they, they, they would give me the rap signal, but I wasn't going to stop Natasha. So, uh, Cliff and Natasha, I appreciate all the work that y'all do. I think they want y'all on stage, and so uh, I appreciate it. Thank you so very much. All right, folks, uh, again, we are out here uh, in Houston, uh, Fountain uh, Life Center, uh, Fountain of Praise Church for the Black Voters Matter, uh, doing what they do, and we certainly appreciate all the work that they do. Uh, final thoughts uh, from uh, Kelly and Lauren. Kelly, you go first. I'm just proud of everything that's happening in regards to this movement, how even though the media says otherwise, I see young people out on the street. I see them garnering attention to get the vote out. I see them dropping their ballots off early. So I, I think that we will be pleasantly surprised come November if everything uh, goes well. Um, we're still in for a fight. 
because again, a lot of these uh, states, their votes won't come in until after the election day itself. So we still have to remain vigilant. We still have to be on our toes and just get out the vote, get out the word, and, and keep the pressure on these politicians to make sure that they uphold what they said they're gonna do once they do get into office. And when they don't get into office, put pressure on them again, just in case they try to go out in the community in another capacity. So once again, I'm, I'm just feeling very encouraged right now. Um, and I just, I just hope everything works to our favor in terms of getting Trump out of office, frankly. Lauren Victoria Burke, final comment. Yep. Well, I think we, uh, you know, we're seeing the beginnings of, uh, I think, Trump leaving office. I think the tough period, though, begins, you know, obviously from November November 3 to the part where we get to noon on January 20. I just think he's going to he's gonna say outrageous things and do outrageous things to uh, subvert the election. And I think it's obvious that he's going to do that. And I think everybody needs to be prepared for that, particularly the media. Uh, and as far as voting, we see some states in play that, quite frankly, for the Democrats should not be in play. I mean, Georgia and Jamie Harrison being tied, uh, the Cook Report putting him tied with, with uh, Lindsey Graham should really be impossible. The fact that we see Joe Biden ahead in Florida is incredible. And really, Biden all really needs to do is really flip Wisconsin and Pennsylvania. But it looks like he's he's got a chance of getting a lot more than that. It looks like he's a chance of at North Carolina. Georgia and Florida, and if that's the case, he might he might have a shot at 400 electoral votes. So, obviously, this turnout uh, what we know historically is that high turnout favors the Democratic Party. Uh, so, when we see this type of people in lines for hours, uh, that certainly looks good for the Democrats. But you know, the problem is we have an unprecedented situation with a crazy man in the White House. And we're going to have to deal, I think, with a lot of unexpected things that we've never dealt with before, or really since really since the 1800s, in terms of what he might do to use that power against the system. All right, Kelly, Lauren, we certainly appreciate it. Thank you so very much. All right, folks, uh, there were a lot of anti-Trump ads uh, that are constantly being dropped every day. Let's roll them. You want to support Roller March Unfiltered? Be sure to join our Bring the Funk fan club. Every dollar that you give to us supports our daily digital show. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real as Roller Martin Unfiltered. Support the Roller Martin Unfiltered daily digital show by going to rollermartinunfiltered.com. Our goal is to get 20,000 of our fans contributing 50 bucks each for the whole year. You can make this possible. rollermartinunfiltered.com. We're counting on the federal court system to make it so that we can actually have an evening where we know who wins, okay? Not where the votes are going to be counted a week later or two weeks later. determine the outcome of this election. Vote, vote, vote.
As far as the ballots are concerned, it's a disaster. This is going to be a fraud like you've never seen. Some have been calling him Moscow Mitch. A Russian asset. Two standalone bills were brought up to try to protect against Russian interference in the 2020 election. And Mitch McConnell blocked them. That is un-American. He is aiding and abetting Vladimir Putin's ongoing attempts to subvert American democracy. Moscow Mitch calls it a hoax. A new bipartisan report from the Senate Intelligence Committee says Russia targeted election systems in all 50 states in 2016, more than previously known. Moscow Mitch said it's a hoax. I have President Putin. He just said it's not Russia. I don't see any reason why it would be. The facts do matter. They attacked our election. The United States remains vulnerable. Moscow Mitch calls it a hoax. All Republicans are all saying Russia is subverting American democracy, and Moscow Mitch won't even let the Senate take a vote on it. The Russians are attacking us, and we must make it stop. Democracy is at stake. Moscow Mitch says it's a hoax. I'm Olivia Troy. I worked on the coronavirus task force from day one, side by side with Dr. Anthony Fauci. I witnessed Donald Trump and senior White House officials routinely sideline and discredit Dr. Fauci, both privately and publicly. And now, the Trump campaign is twisting Dr. Fauci's words in a campaign ad for their own political gain. It's gross and upsetting, and typical of a White House that has no regard for the truth. For Donald Trump, it's always about him. For Dr. Fauci, it's always been about serving the American people. Join me as a Republican and former Trump administration staffer who is voting for Joe Biden. Imagine 
because there were those that loved us and connected to their power. And so we just want you all to know that you're not by yourself, that we came all the way from Atlanta, Georgia, and y'all, that ain't down the street, right? We came all the way to Atlanta, Georgia, because we wanted you all to know we're going all over this country to remind our people that it ain't the federal government that gives you power. It ain't the political parties that give you power. That God in his very creation of you or who you are, right? That you had power. Now, I was talking to um, um, the brother earlier that David came up against Goliath and he only had five smooth stones. He only had five. Y'all, at the end of the day, you come from a line of people that whenever we stood in our power, whether the government was with us, whether the parties were with us, things had to change because if you stand in a space of righteousness, if you stand in a space of power, if you stand in a space of love, everything else got to get out the way. Darkness cannot survive if light comes in the room. And so we've got to be a light into the world. We've got to be a light into our people. As you all are talking to folks about voting, don't speak death in the folks. Those cousins, those children in your households, those folks who say they don't want to vote, they don't want to vote because they don't feel powerful. Your job is to remind them that they've got power and their agents in that process. <laughs> Thank you, brother. Come on, Clue. You've got to remind them. You've got to speak life into them. You've got to literally be able to remind folks that our power does so not Brian, come from this vote. Our vote is us expressing our agency uh, and the power that we already have inside. And so I want y'all to hit next. I'm going to let you all hear from my amazing brother. Let me tell y'all about this brother. Cliff Albright is a co-founder. This is my brother of Black Voters Matter. He keeps things moving, right? Literally, he's the executive director of the organization. And literally all of the, like, we could not be here without him. Like, I so love this brother and the work that he does and the clarity and the courage. And some of our sisters, we like, we know that this is our year. That sisters keep things, but let me tell you something. So, Cliff, um, excuse me. So, so talk about, talk about the role that entertainers are playing in this election. And y'all know the sisters keep me back All right, then. Brian, I appreciate it, my brother. Great job. All right. All right. We got it. All right, we're going to play a new project now. But the truth of the matter is I got will. Hold on. All right, folks, let's do this here. So uh, we're going to close this thing out here. Uh, I want to thank Black Voters Matter for being here. Found the life. Uh, glad to be here. Folks, we want you to vote. 21 days until uh, November 3rd. But voting is taking place right now. Uh, we're going to be, uh, of course, focusing on this. I'm flying back. I might be North Carolina Thursday or Friday. Reverend William Barber just sent me a text, and we'll see uh, what happens. But right now, folks, uh, we want to thank our panel today, Joseph Williams, Kelly, and Lauren as well. And thank everybody uh, for what they do.
And so again, make sure that you use your power, power and actually vote in this and election. All right, y'all, now please support us in what we do. Your dollars are making possible for us to travel across the country, we'll do what we're doing right here. And so uh, you can support right. us, cash out, dollar sign RM Unfiltered, paypal.me forward slash R Martin Unfiltered, Venmo.com forward slash RM Unfiltered. You can also send the money over to New Vision Media, 1625 K Street, Northwest, Suite 400, Washington, D.C., 2006. Uh, we want to thank everybody. Again, our goal is to get $20,000 supported by the end of the year, contributing at least 50 bucks each. as four of the 19 cents a month, 13 cents a day for you to support our work, giving you the kind of information, being here on remote. I also want to thank the students at Texas Southern University uh, who are helping with the today's broadcast. Your dollars also help for us to help give experience uh, to these students in real life uh, media, real life television, and so that's why this matters as well. All right, folks, uh, I got to go. I will see y'all tomorrow. Y'all take care. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 
Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.